We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It's a quick Tuesday, June 13th intro for me. Um, really, the big things that happened for the Browns uh, yesterday, uh, the new dog logo unveiled. Uh, I'm not going to get too deep into that today. I'll talk a little bit more about it on tomorrow's episode. And then Perrion Winfrey's case was dismissed uh, down in Harris County, down in, I believe that's down in Texas. So, that we'll see if that ends up being any sort of reprimand still for what happened. Uh, if he's not going to, you know, if it's dismissed, then maybe it's nothing. I'm not sure. Uh, the Browns will make some generic comment on it. Maybe it means nothing now, like I said. Um, but it is noteworthy that that case, which had some ramifications for Winfrey, was dismissed. So the guys are going to discuss that. We have a good show. We're going to replay Unscripted from Mike and. Uh, Andrew Spade. The guys go into a bunch of detail about a lot of different things. The logo, the uh, you know situation with uh, you know Perion. I just mentioned. So yeah, it's a good show. I wanted to replay it for you. Didn't have a ton of time yesterday personally to get anything recorded, but good Browns content here from the guys. I'll be back tomorrow. Actually, should be joined by Andrew. So check back in if you're interested in listening to that. Otherwise, let's get over to the show right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what is going on, everybody? It is Monday night. It is 7 o'clock, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for Unscripted Live here on the OBR Streaming Network. I'm Michael Keefe. He is Andrew Spade. And welcome on in to the most fun you're going to have on a Monday night in the entire Cleveland OBR sphere uh, right here on Unscripted. Andrew, what's going on, buddy? Uh, Not much, Mike. Uh, Spent the weekend at the beach. Feeling great. Feeling good. Uh, Happy to be with you. You're looking so tan. A little burnt. A little burnt. (laughs) Yeah, a little burnt. Yeah. I'm the color of your shirt. Thank you. Well, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You look good. Uh, no, it was you look great. relaxed. I mean, it, yeah. It was great to be, uh, you know, there. And uh, it's it's one of the nice things about living where I live is that you can be to the beach in four or five hours. So took advantage of that, spent the weekend there. And uh, boy, it does help you relax. So I feel great. Um, definitely excited to have spent an hour of our time tonight talking about a football team that uh, is done for the next six weeks. And <laughs> Unlikely to make news between now and then. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. I'm like, what are we doing here? What are yeah. We Look at Paul Spencer. 23 months. Paul's ago. in. He's in. He doesn't He doesn't give a shit what the schedule says. So listen, it's called Unscripted because we don't talk about this show before we come on it. So I'm just sitting here kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of spitballing. And, and listen, Cyper Bowl. Cyper Bowl just took the, the words out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I think we're just going to spend the next 59 minutes listening to Andrew strum that guitar in the background. Yeah, it, it, it there's one of the things that we've wondered, Mike, you and I, is what could we do that would make people not like our show? And <laughs> I will tell you that me trying to play guitar on a live stream is up there. Paul Paul would be digging into the Twitch T's and C's to see about a refund for that 23-month subscription. Listen, the only, the only, and yes, Serge, you're right. Paul is locked in, locked in. Absolutely uh, locked in. The, I would imagine... Uh, the 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 thing that would come to mind for me is the iconic iconic scene from Animal House. Yeah, where Belushi's coming down the stairs and that idiot is playing the guitar on the mm-hmm. stairs, and Belushi just snatches it out of his hands and smashes it against the wall. Yeah, I feel like we'd have one of those moments. Yeah, I'm just trying to do like my version of you know uh, a Zoom like background that's not interactive. You know that that guitar is not really there. Oh, that's fair. Uh, but that's not true. I know it's there. You can see your shadow upon it. Uh, so Andrew's coming off the beach. I'm coming off uh, scarfing a bowl of Chipotle in like five minutes. And so I am feeling a wreck right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling an absolute Locked in in a right different now. way. But we're going to figure this out. For the next 57 minutes, we're going to figure this out. We're going to talk a little bit about the Browns. 
And any other things that are going on around the NFL? What? What's you, funny? What's you funny? Can, you can tell that Mike's worried about how the show's going to go because he's oh, counting man. down the minutes every time he talks. <laughs> Two minutes ago, it was 59. Now it's 57. <laughs> All right, guys. 56 and a half <laughs> minutes remaining. He's just staring at the timer in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> what does get to that point? I mean, in all honesty, in all honesty, man, oh, it does boy. get to that point, especially on our show, right? Yeah. You know, you God love these dudes with the OBR. God love it uh, when Jake Burns is going to break down some random player on tape. Mm-hmm. You're like, cool. You've got weeks and weeks of things that you can do there. But here on here on our show, we're just we're just having fun talking about the game, and we'll go in yeah. depth when we need to. But, like, man, we're at that point. Yeah. Like you said, six weeks until, I mean, outside of something weird happening, mm-hmm. we're six weeks from anything worthwhile to go over. Got Here's the thing, right, Andrew? If something happens between now and then, 99% chance. Yeah. It's something we don't want to be talking about. Right. It's, it's, it's DeAndre Hopkins signing or it's a player getting in trouble. Those are kind of the two main... <laughs> Those are kind of the two main things that could happen between now and training camp. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it is, it's the NFL strives to not have an off season, right? Um, oh. They they make it their business so that as much of the off season, I mean, the Browns have not played a football game in five months, right? And we're, we're acting like all of a sudden just now there's nothing to talk about, but we have, so, so we have had five months of content based on what might happen, what could happen what did happen, you know, in, in transaction land. Um, and now there's a six week period where there truly is likely nothing to happen. And we're, it's a full blown emergency. So, you know, I, I think, I think there are things to talk about. We just gotta, it's a little, it's a, it's more of a reach. Well, listen, uh, we've got questions already coming in and we always yeah. want you guys to uh, uh, be a part of the show uh, doing these live streams here on the OBR streaming network, having you guys as a part of the show, huge part of it. So if you do have specific things you guys want to talk about, I Please. see Bradley, Bradley brought up a question. We'll get to that. Uh, we've got other things going on uh, that we'll get to. Uh, but I mean, there's over the next 55 minutes, there's, <laughs> <laughs> we can only start in one place, right? Yeah. We can only start in one place. I don't know if Ian got my message before, but if he did, I need you to throw this up, Ian. I need you to throw this up. Uh, There's a new logo, Andrew. There's a new logo. For the dog pound. How excited are you for this? We've talked about... The thing is, Mike, we've already talked about this. No, no, no. No, we haven't because it wasn't official. We didn't know which one it was going to be. But but we talked about the idea that whatever this logo was, it was not for the team but for what they considered part of the fan base to be, right? And Listen, so we are here to break down this entire logo. So Ian, if you can pull it up in the background, if you can throw this thing up. Oh, there he is. There's, there he is. The next Browns bull mastiff. Oof. He's so wrinkly. Did you see the thing that the Browns put on Twitter about all the little hidden? That's what we were going to talk about because it is so elements. stupid. It's so <laughs> stupid. Oh, it's so stupid. So, right. Okay. So, first things first. The nose is a football. Okay. Yeah, cool. The ear is Ohio. Well, Mike, you, you understand that football is the sport they play, so that's why it has to look like a football. <laughs> Did you forget already that the Browns no, play thank football? You. No, I'm so glad they told us this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the ear is a real deformed Ohio, so we got that going for us. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the the it's so deformed. It's almost West Virginia. Oh, it's very West Virginia. <laughs> it's very like it's very West Virginia. Uh, this the thing on the collar looks like a toilet, uh, but yep. apparently that's supposed to be Brown Stadium, and the white part is the dog pound. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even look like Brown Stadium, right? And then the and then the thing in the middle is a guitar pick because Cleveland also has. Have you heard about this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Mike? What? It doesn't get a lot of press in the Cleveland tourist media. What? But apparently, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not far from the stadium. Uh, you know what? I think I've I think I've seen it before. I think I've heard a little something about it. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so the spikes, on the inside. The spikes represent eight uh, championships that the Bronze have won. Uh, cent- uh, like around the Civil War, uh, yeah. around that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So we got that going for us. Yeah. Well, we we did get one pretty pretty big championship over the South during that time period. Well, right. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can I tell you how annoyed I am with that? Can I with tell the, the eight spikes or the whole thing specifically? Yeah, no, I'm annoyed with that. Listen, I know as Browns fans, when I, and again, we can have this conversation because we are Brown, we're all collectively Browns fans. So if somebody from Baltimore, or Pittsburgh, or Cincinnati, or, or Green Bay, or whatever is going to come into uh, Buffalo, whatever is going to come into my life and start talking to me about the last time the Browns won, now I'm going to stick up for the Browns. Now I'm going to be like, yeah, but they've won a ton of, of championships. Absolutely. But for a minute, it's like, it's like sometimes they want us to give them a pass because, yeah. well, look at, I mean, they've won a lot of titles. I mean, nobody remember. Yeah. I mean, we're, we are talking about my mom's turning 75 soon. She was 14 the last time they won a title. Yep. Yep. My dad was, uh, my dad was 10. It's these eight titles that these spikes represent are irrelevant. Yeah. They're irrelevant. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let somebody from Pittsburgh say that. I would argue with somebody from Pittsburgh about that, but let's be real. This eight titles. Yeah. I don't know that I want to go on record as saying they're irrelevant, Mike, because I think history is important. And I think, okay, that's fair. That's fair. I just, I I think they lean on it. They're like, Oh, a hundred percent. Here's what I would say about this, this whole, the meaning behind the logo thing. (laughs) The reason they had to do that with all these little nods to whatever is because the logo itself is meaningless right the logo like what this is this whole thing is just it is empty pr calories of the absolute most cynical kind and so we have to do this breaking down the logo thing to give something that is meaningless and soulless some meaning right that's that's the exercise we're engaged in here if we try and unpack this logo is anything other than you know a fan contest run amok we're, we're really, we're doing their work for them, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, we got to finish the features. We got to finish the features. We don't. Apparently, That's the thing. We really don't. Apparently, oh, we will. We are, Andrew. Apparently, <laughs> apparently a little sick. On the dog's left eyebrow, you're right as you're looking at it. That's supposed to be a football helmet. Yeah. I mean, this it's just so. Ugh. Now, I have to tell you, can I say something that, that I, I do want to say? I do want to say one thing. They ran this contest. I I would have loved to stop them from doing that. Yep. But they did it anyways. Mm -hmm. And then they they had all the fan submissions come in, and that's all well and good. This was my favorite one of all of them. I didn't, I I don't think there was one other one that I actually was like, yeah, that there's an element to that. I like there's there. Listen, I don't like the process of this. Yeah. But I will tell you, there's an element of this that I like. I like the darkness of it. I like it's like kind of Batman of dogs. It's there's just like a it's yeah. got a 
Batman I, and dogs I, really sums it up. Oh, you're so you know I don't know. It just this, this is this is this is the best comment on this that I've seen. It, all the submissions were trash, and and you know, like no offense to anybody that submitted or anything like that. The idea that we're outsourcing our graphic design to fans is ob- objectionable in and of itself to me. Um, it's again soulless, meaningless uh, PR grab that the Browns have executed. Uh, just as well as they did when they brought Logan Paul in for whatever he did. So, you know, it, it is all of a kind, and they ought to be ashamed of themselves, frankly, for spending so much time promoting this stuff that isn't in any way related to even the football team, right? Like th- this question, is it going to be on the 50-yard line or something? No, it's not. No. It's going to be on some It's going to be on some overpriced merchandise is a lousy screen print. That's all. This is, this is the worst type of marketing truly without value not increasing meaningful awareness not doing any positive outreach just an absolute waste of time yeah strong words strong words i i do I, you know i agree with you 100 percent. i i i've said this from the beginning the dog pound isn't the teams the dog pound doesn't belong exactly. to the cleveland browns it never exactly. did belong to the cleveland browns the dog pound it was a product of the fans and the players having this connection that I don't care that it exists anymore. I think some people are like, ah, oh, get rid of the dog pound. I don't know about that. That the, the, the city of Cleveland really built something upon that, but it was organic. It was the fans and the players together that built something. It wasn't the Browns forcing it down your throat saying yep. we're the dog pound now. And every time they do this, it just feels like they're forcing it down your throat. And then it makes you not like it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's stuff like this. When you hear so many people say, get rid of, what's the point of the dog? Why are we the dogs? Why are we even the dog pound anymore? You hear a lot of people say that. It's not because they don't like the concept of it. It's because they're they're tired of having this stuff pushed down their throat in a meaningless fashion. Yep. and, and meaningless. And, yeah. This is absolutely the same people that brought you, and Ian is right to correct me in the comments. It was Jake Paul, not Logan Paul. And I, boy, do I ever apologize how, to the how Paul fans for making you? that mistake. How dare uh, you? But- but it, this is this is this, this is the, the this is the same group of people that brought you the most disastrous uniform rebrand in the history of modern <laughs> sports uniforms, right? This is uh, this is the same thing, and I I like I cannot stress enough how us engaging with it by talking about it is doing their work for them, and I really I I do not like to do that. I also well yeah, but I don't mind discussing it. I think actually the conversation is yeah. I'm just going to keep saying the same things. I like this. This is a great uh, yeah, thing from, from Tom in the comments. The pound will be making fun of this all year long. Yeah, like that is that is it. That's it's, it. it. It's corny. It is corny. Yeah, it's corny. It's you know I said it a few months ago. I think it was about this. It may have been about something else they did that was ill advised. It's stepdad energy. All of this stuff. <laughs> stepdad energy. I think it's corny too. I I don't. I don't like that they did it, uh, but I this was my favorite of the options. So there's there's a there's that glimmer of positivity. Come on, positivity, positivity. That's no, what we're going not for, for right? this. No, this is this sucks. All right, fine. I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie, Mike. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's cool. It's not. It sucks. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I think you're a little. I think that's a little dramatic, to be honest. I'm not. Sure, just, I'm not. I mean, just, I'm not. You're the one that brought it up. If like honestly. It's I would not have logo. talked about it for a second. That's how little I care about it. But well, if you want you my did. opinion, it sucks. 
you did talk about it. All right, Bradley, back before. Let's talk about the Browns a little bit, and let's see if we right. can dive into things. God bless you, Bradley Burns. So Bruns. Bradley Bruns said, hey, fellas, do you think the Browns are done making additions? And I feel like there's a lot to unpack in that question because sure. as of right now versus what's it going to look like in six weeks, what's it going to look like at camp, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, so what are your thoughts here, Andrew? Are, do you feel like the Browns, as you see them right now, are done making additions? Uh, I, I don't, I don't think they're done. I, but having said that, I don't, my current sense is that none of the additions they will make will be, you know, consequential Neil moving additions. But I think, I, I think they've shown already that they are going to be proactive at tweaking the edges of the roster. Um, you know, uh, I mean, the, so the two, probably the two high profile additions, Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is at the top of the list, right? And there's a split of opinion about whether or not that's a good idea. He's taking visits. Uh, there was a report less than an hour ago that he just left Tennessee without signing a deal. So he's going to go to New England, it sounds like, and, and maybe some other visits. Maybe he'll end up in Cleveland. Um, I don't know who will be there to meet with him since everybody's going on vacation. But, uh, you know, I mean, Mike, you're there. You could maybe show him around, right? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll walk him around, Tom. Yeah, just you know, maybe take him to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I just, uh, brewer, just straight to some breweries, I guess. Oh, sure, I know some sure, breweries sure, we sure. can just go hang out yeah. at. Yeah. Um, and then the other name that that kind of floated around a little bit last week, and I don't think we got a chance to react to, is in Dominican Sioux, uh, because the connection here is that uh, Jim Washburn was the defensive line coach with the Lions when Sue was the first overall pick there, and he worked underneath Jim Schwartz. And so that's, you know, that's the, uh, you know, whatever the six degrees of separation there. Um, and Jim Washburn, it was revealed last week, is serving as a defensive consultant, sort of a, it sounds like kind of a remote defensive line coach who's not actually going to be at camp, but is sort of helping Ben Bloom to, to kind of grow into that role because, you know, Bloom has had some experience with the position, but he's never been a defensive line coach in the NFL, I don't believe. And so, you know, I think it's it's kind of one of those things where you get the veteran coach to sort of mentor the younger coach and help him develop. Anyway, there's a strong connection between Washburn, Schwartz, and Sue. And so it becomes this question of, you know, at some point closer into training camp, maybe even into the season, uh, you know, because we know last year Sue didn't sign until, what, halfway through the season, uh, that that could be another name that the Browns would be interested in bringing in. But, you know, the defensive tackle room right now is is quite full. So if they brought Sue in, they would be pushing somebody off the roster that yeah. you wouldn't expect to be pushed off the roster. So those are sort of the two big names. I do think there's also the possibility of a smaller move getting made um, just as they digest what they saw at minicamp last week and start to look at, you know, areas where they need to balance the roster ahead of camp. But those would be the sorts of small moves that, you know, don't really get anybody uh, interested other than just like, oh, they're, you know, they're, they felt like they were short a wide receiver. Or they felt like they were, they needed to add a safety. That's sort of just a, a numbers game type move. Yeah, a lot of comments coming in on this, and I want to hit on a few of them. I do want to go back to the players you talked about, but I want to make a very quick comment on one of our questions that came in from Aura on YouTube. Is Dalvin Cook a thing for us? No. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah, that's that. I mean, it's fan, it, it, like in a fantasy land, it would be awesome, right? Like his fit would be really strong, uh, and he has familiarity with Stefanski, but I think the contract is going to be the issue. Yeah, and yeah, 
No. Yeah. In a world in which the salary cap isn't an issue, though, I would be a fan of that addition. It would require Dalvin Cook to say, I want to go play for the Browns and I don't care what the money is. Yeah. That would that would be the requirement there. So right. look, no, let's not yeah. even let's not that even new logo that. is so good. Oh God, we're just somebody we're else keep going back so. to it, Andrew. We're gonna keep going back to it. Uh, no, like <laughs> you know, the Hopkins thing, uh, we talked about it a lot last week, so I don't want to dive. We sure did. Uh but you know, who knows? It yeah. doesn't sound like he's in any rush yeah. to make a deal. So every time you hear that he's gonna go visit another team, I don't think it means anything. And he's just going to meet with teams. I, you know, obviously, I think any team he meets with is in the mix for him. But I don't think, you know, as a Browns fan, I don't think hearing that he left Tennessee to go to New England, I don't think any of this means anything. I would not, I do not expect, based on everything we've heard about his process, I do not expect to get a notification on my phone tomorrow that says DeAndre Hopkins has agreed to a deal with the Patriots. I would not expect DeAndre Hopkins to sign a deal with the Patriots before he leaves New England. Now, again, who knows? Things can happen. Yeah but that just doesn't sound like what the process is. This sounds like it's going to be something that takes a while towards training camp. It sounds like he wants a deal around the start of training camp. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that, that that's the sense that that has been given. I also think it's kind of like the Odell Beckham signing where all of a sudden one day the Ravens woke up and they said, let's get nuts. And if somebody decided to do that with DeAndre Hopkins, I think at this point he would put pen to paper. So, you know, there's always the potential that a team, you know, I mean, uh, we're in this sort of, limbo period where there might be more gambling suspensions coming from the NFL. Uh, A team gets some news about a player that they're expecting to be, you know, a meaningful wide receiver for them. And all of a sudden their offer to Hopkins, you know, doubles, something like that. You know, things can happen that are unexpected, but I agree with you. Generally the trajectory of this is it's going to be, it's going to drag out for a while. And as I think I said last week, this is Hopkins one chance, you know, one last chance to be a free agent. So enjoy it, man. Yeah, and 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 yeah, obviously the Sue news. But again, I think that fits in. Guys, this isn't Ndamukong Sue that just got drafted out of Nebraska and yep. was a monster and like the meanest player in the NFL and was stepping on heads and stuff like that. We're talking about a guy that has one, maybe two years left in his career. And mm-hmm. in those one or two years, he's very much a, a part-time player. But yes. he could surely step in and give you impactful snaps but he can't give you a lot of impactful snaps. That's right. what Sue is at this point. He can be impactful in short spurts out on the field sometimes. That's what he is. So yeah. I, I would love to see, you know, I, this goes along with the other question uh, that I think brought, got brought up by Bradley Bruns again, because uh, the other news was, uh, man, we've been hearing a lot, Andrew. Talking about defensive tackles. Yeah. We've been hearing a lot about Jordan Elliott. I know. I know, Mike. So, so okay. So, let's talk about feasibility or or let's talk about are we missing something or what? Because this is a guy that last year mm-hmm. was one of the worst. Yeah, the the worst, according to PFF, of, of defensive tackles that played at least 50, 50% of snaps, he, he graded per PFF as the worst. The worst. Okay. So, we had a lot of questions about coaching last year. Absolutely. We, we didn't like... Uh, you know, we didn't like Kiffin. We didn't yep. like Joe Woods. Yep. We didn't like the way they were playing. Um, how much of a, you know, PFF calls him the worst. That means he's towards the bottom tier sure. of the NFL sure, sure, sure. in yep. real life. Yep. How much of that can be attributed to bad coaching? And how much do you think you could expect? Uh, and again, he's not an old dude. 
Jordan no. Elliott. I mean, uh, to say that he couldn't grow into a player isn't unfair, but mm-hmm. like how much can you expect out of a guy like Jordan Elliott by just saying he's going to get coached differently and put in different positions? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, the God's honest truth, Mike, is that if I pretended to know how much of his struggles last year were down to him and not not doing what he had been told to do and how much were down to him not being coached correctly, uh, I, I, you know, I would have a much higher paying job covering the Browns than I do. I don't have that information. Um, don't let him fool you. He makes the big bucks here at the OBR. <laughs> I like I. I think it's very reasonable to ask that question based on uh, the fact that Joe Woods and Chris Kiffin are both no longer with the organization. Chris Chris Kiffin was the defensive line coach. Uh, I think it's also reasonable to ask that question based on the fact that the, you know, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, Paul D. Podesta at different times when, when the Schwartz hire was made in media interviews kind of said different versions of making things more digestible, easier to understand. Uh, more approachable for our players. Those sorts of words were used, which I think is their polite way of saying these guys were not coached well. And so um, Jim Schwartz has made his career by uh, empowering defensive lines to penetrate, get after the quarterback, cause havoc, disrupt. Uh, so there's, I think there's a very, you know, we just talked about Jim Washburn, a guy that has done it in the NFL for a long time. It, I, I think it's fair to say that if there is a coaching staff that's going to get the best out of Jordan Elliott, uh, and not to mention the surrounding cast around him, when you talk about Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Miles Garrett. So uh, all those pieces are there. Whether or not that's what was holding him back, I think is is the only people that know that are in the building. And even then, I would just say they're also projecting, right? Because for some players... There, there. I mean, there have been for for years and years players that practice well and play poorly, and those yeah. players are, you know, they're given a much longer leash, right? Because they do everything right, they say everything yes. right, they look great in shells, and then they go out on Sunday and they get washed out, they get pushed into JOK's lap, they get devastated play after play, and that's what we saw last year. I think there's a possibility that that happens again, and that the Browns are just wrong about this player. I think there's also a possibility that he improves from, as you said, one of the worst to an average defensive tackle in the league. I think that's I think that's on the on the table. I I would say my confidence interval in that happening is like 25. percent Well, I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, and even even in our chats, there was a lot of conversation happening about the fact that Jordan Elliott throughout whatever practices and mini camps and all that stuff. Jordan Elliott's been the guy out there with the yep. starters. He, when yep. the starters are out there, it's Jordan Elliott. It's, it's Smith and Garrett and, and Tomlinson. And that's the crew that's been out there. Having said that, I, I think some people are maybe reading a little too much into what that actually means for Jordan Elliott. Other than he's probably the one holdover out of that defensive tackle room that was here in years past. He's the one guy that's shown any sort of signs of even life. You know what I mean? Like you could call him the worst player, the worst defensive tackle, but like I will take Jordan Elliott over Tommy Togiai any day of the week because he's at least shown flashes here and there of being able to do productive things sometimes on the field, as opposed to some of the other guys that were here last year. Right. And so I think it's a product of, okay, well, here's the one guy that was on this deep interior defensive line last year 
that we think has any sort of potential whatsoever. So let's stick him out here with these guys and see what he's made of. I don't necessarily think it's at this point an indicator that like they've got him penciled in as just like the automatic you're that starter guy. I would agree with you, Mike, except for the fact that they just redid his contract and guaranteed him like a million and a half or a million seven, right? Which you don't guarantee a player that much money if he's not going to make the roster. So now he is essentially guaranteed to make the roster. Oh, and and the question for me isn't making the roster because I think, again, I know what PFF said about him last year. Yeah. But I don't think he was the worst defensive tackle on our own team. No, I, I'm no. So I, to me, yeah. it's not a question of him making the roster. He makes this roster unless. Well, they okay, but look at it this way. Look at it this way. Tomlinson's a lock, obviously. Ika is a lock, obviously. Uh, now Elliot has locked himself in as the third. So it, it seems likely they're going to have to keep five edges, given the depth they have at that position, right? If you keep, you know, the three guys, the three big names, plus uh, Alex Wright from last year and Isaiah McGuire from this year you're still cutting Isaiah Thomas and you're at five defensive ends. Okay. Right. So that last year, they I think they kept eight total. So they'd be, if they'd be keeping five defensive ends, if they kept four defensive tackles, they'd be at nine. So now you have to choose between Maurice Hurst, Tristan Hill, Perrion Winfrey, Tommy Togiai for that fourth spot. Right. Yeah. And I might be forgetting somebody. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, um, you know, I think that puts it into really good perspective, Andrew. That right there, because I think we look and we go, okay, like a lot of people love to talk about. And and Serge, you're right on this. These are conversations that are way more fun to have than what we've had in, in right. other but years. Here, but here's the problem. Let me. I, I will let you finish. But let me just say, the problem with raising the floor, or the problem with this way of raising the floor, is that they have already guaranteed Elliot the money. So the 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 the, the chances of him them cutting him and them wasting that money are very very low. The, the, to me, the logical thing to do was to make him earn the spot and then redo the contract. Well, that just says, I mean, again, that says that they see something in him, right? Right. I agree. The, they definitely they definitely seem to do that, yes. And again, they could be wrong. And they have been before. Well, Let's just for say sure. that. But every team's wrong about players all the time. Right. But uh, I'm saying they have a specific weak spot at defensive tackle. For sure. Uh but yeah, no, it's, I think it's an interesting way. You know, we've, we've talked about getting excited about some of these players that they've brought in. But these guys aren't like, we've talked a lot about being excited about Maurice Hurst. To me, the more and more I think about it, the more I think he is an absolute long shot to make this team. Yeah. You know, uh, or, or Tristan Hill, you know, because I think they're probably more prone to go with a guy unless, again, off the field issues, I think they probably would be way more apt to keep a guy in his second year like Perry and Winfrey, who they think has potential, unless he keeps screwing up off the field. So I think some of these guys we've gotten really excited about, you probably aren't going to see him on this team. You're probably they're probably not. Right. There's no room for right. it. Right. And I, I see some comments like maybe we keep 10 defensive linemen, go to five at defensive tackle, you know, so then you you would be able to keep Winfrey and one of Hurst or Hill you know, which puts you in a pretty good position as far as that goes. Um, you know, I think you'd feel pretty good about that. But now if you're keeping 10 defensive linemen, you know, you typically try and be around 25 on defense. So now between safety, cornerback, and linebacker, you have to keep 15 players. And that math, I don't want to do it all right now live, but it gets really it gets really sticky. Yeah, well, it, it, basically what that means is you're going to be thin at linebacker. 
which they right. were last year. And right. and maybe they do go into it this year thin at linebacker again. But right. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting. You know, the whole thing is interesting. And 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 we got the question that you know, if this is what the numbers look like, then where does where does Sue fit? You right. know, if they want to go for a guy like Sue, where does he fit? I don't know. I don't do you is that like is that a direction? Is that a guy? Let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. Just from a want perspective, when you know the guys that are here, you know the number of spots, four max five spots that are going to be available at that interior defensive line, and you know who's already here. Do you want a guy in Sue that's at the very, very, very tail end of his career? Do you do you want him taking a roster spot from somebody else? Well, I think it depends on whether or not you think that there's upside potential with any of the young guys, right? Um, you know, as I said before, uh, Tomlinson and Ika are locks. Um, I would rather have Sue than any other defensive tackle in that room. And and a lot of it, part, uh, you know, he is still a good player, but a lot of it is they have focused on bringing veteran leadership to the defense, and he is definitely one of those guys that is going to fix – some of what has happened with this defense over the past few years where they don't seem to really give a shit if they get run all over or not. Yeah, this this is the it's the interesting thing about the way they're going to have to figure out and navigate this team as opposed to years past is, you know, we're talking a lot about. Again, there's so many unanswered questions now that can't be answered until things happen, right? This whole conversation changes around Sue if they go into training camp and Jordan Elliott hurts his leg and is out for the year. Yeah. I don't mean to speak that into existence. I hope that doesn't happen for the human sake of Jordan Elliott. But like the whole thing, the whole picture gains clarity as we go. But six weeks out, this is the name that continues to get brought up. And he was brought up last year and he wound up going to Philly. Uh, But he's the name where it's, hey, we can get this guy for a year, probably on a very minimal contract. Uh, and you know, it right now it poses an interesting question is, do you, do you cut Hurst or, uh, do you cut Winfrey or even Jordan Elliott in favor of bringing guy in like Sue? That's, that's real interesting to me. Cause I don't know that I would. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And I, I think, you know, the thing about that player is that he probably doesn't want to be on the roster right now. Like <laughs> he's been there and done that long enough that he knows how to keep his body where it needs to be. And he probably doesn't want the mileage of training camp. He probably no. wants to join the team in September, honestly. And so, you know, um, I think there's kind of two questions here, right? One is, um, you know, what do you think of, of Sue the player? And then the other one is, you know, do you like the potential in the room enough to want to see how that shakes out? And, you know, my answer to the second question really is yes. I I like, I think they've added enough lottery tickets between Winfrey developing, Elliott turning it around in year four, uh, Hurst, Hill, those guys, you know, just finally doing something, you know, and and staying healthy, I guess, is the better way to say it for them. Um, I like the number of bets they've made there. The problem that I have, again, and I know I'm beating a dead horse here, is that they they guaranteed that one of those bets is already paid off or, or is, you know, they has to pay off by guaranteeing Elliot that money because he's not winning a competition. Now he has been handed a roster spot. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. And I, I, I completely agree with you on that. I would, you know, like a, a Hearst is the guy that keeps jumping out in my head because he's a guy that has been impactful. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. his career, when he's been healthy, he's mm-hmm. been impactful. 
when he plays, he's impactful. If he right. can stay healthy, he's impactful. He's the one guy to me that that I think, man, if they can figure out a way to keep him healthy, he could literally he could literally make such an impact on the front of this defensive line that it actually like alters the team a little bit. I agree. I agree. Yeah, the best version of Maurice Hurst. I mean, he was going to be a first round pick before the the physical issues cropped up in the draft process or, you know, late first, early second. Um, so I, and, yeah. I like for me, at least I at least want to let that play out. No, if I he agree. Gets hurt, he gets hurt. I agree. But I would hate to see him like have a healthy camp and then be like, well, but we'd rather have Sue. I, I, that would because because Hurst is a guy that if he's he could be around for a few years. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think it's a great point, And I think it speaks to balancing, you know, the upside of unknown quantities with the, the, the you know, the higher floor of a known quantity, because as much as Ndamukong Sue is not the same player that he was a decade ago, he's certainly going to give you, you know, some reliability, knows the system well enough to know exactly what his role is and play within that role in a way that accentuates the rest of the defense. And I think, yeah, you know, I, I know that he's more name than player at this point, but you think about a defensive line that is Zadarius Smith and and Sue, Dalvin Tomlinson and Miles Garrett. I, I mean, just in oh, terms sure. of names that are fun to say, we're <laughs> near the top of the league. And then you talk about, you know, and, and Schwartz talked in his press conference two weeks ago about rushing, you know, having five at some points. So can you can you sub off a linebacker and bring Okoronkwo off the edge? I mean, that that truly, I, I do not know how a def, an offense would prepare to protect that. I oh. think it would be a two-step drop and throw it up blindfolded, which, you know, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase might still work. But for a lot of the league, that's going to be trouble. Listen, we've had we've had that conversation before, and I think in pa- obvious, you know, third. If you get in third and eight, third and ten, yeah, the Browns are going to have the ability to put in Smith, Okoronko, Garrett, move Smith or move Garrett to the inside. Still yep. have Tomlinson in there, who gets good pass rush. Uh, that's good pass rush numbers, or even Ika, whose pass rush was pretty decent in college. Uh, and you're, I think you're going to frequently see all three of those guys out on the field at the same time during obvious passing situations. I think yep. that's frequent. Uh, and yeah, that is, that's nice. Andrew, I've got, I got like a little game I want to play. Great. But I want to know, you know, I kind of, we've talked about the things that I came in with. So did you have anything that you wanted to come in and talk about? Well, uh, thanks for asking, Mike. I always appreciate that. Uh, I'm here for you. Leave- yeah, I do want to leave time for your game. So uh, I will just quickly say that, um, you know, we talked last week about the tight ends because the week before was tight end week at the OBR. Last week was tackle week. And, oh yeah. you know, I spent, I spent some time kind of thinking about the tackle position broadly. And, you know, when you look at the numbers, they're really, they're paying – they're paying Jack Conklin and Jed Wills about the same amount of money over the next two years, right? In terms of their, their cap hits, um, you know, and then Conklin's contract really gets weird after that gets big and bulky, but I think they probably can cut him pretty easily at that point. I, I mean, I don't think, I know they can cut him pretty easily at that point. And then obviously Jed has that uh, fifth year option that's fully guaranteed next year. And then will be a free agent unless they decide to extend him, which I think is a long shot at this point, unless something changes. Uh, it's just interesting that they are in a position where they have they they are absolutely 100% committed to both of these players being on the roster the next two years. I mean, the way yeah. the cap is structured for both players, Wills and Conklin are your starting tackles this year and next year, period. Correct. After that, 
there's a good chance neither of them is on the roster. Correct. I think that's that's a very interesting uh, duality, right? To 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 have so much, and I don't know how much this is true, but they have committed to these players through the next two years, but then they have ultimate flexibility at the position beyond that. And so it's interesting because if Conklin, uh, you know, bounces back and has a good and relatively healthy next two years, they probably actually keep him, even though his cap hit goes to like 19 some million mm-hmm. for that next year, just because, you know, his, his ceiling is an all pro player. We've seen him do it twice. Uh, and, and then with Wills, you know, you think about where he would have to go from where he is to being a player that they would extend. I think that's an interesting conversation. Then there's the conversation about what happens with James Hudson and Dewan Jones, because we've seen Hudson at times look okay as a, as a tackle playing in this league. Mm-hmm. He played against Pittsburgh in week 18 last year and was, was serviceable. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he played in, in place of Jack Conklin and, and at other times at the beginning of the year, uh, 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 replacing Conklin, he was great against Carolina. And then he had a terrible game week two against the jets. Um, and obviously we haven't seen Dewan Jones, but he has all the tools if he can put it together. So, you know, do they think that those are the tackles of the future or are those guys just depth pieces to get them to the place where they will make those moves for the tackles of the future in the next year or two, keeping in mind that they don't have another a first round pick until, you know, 2025. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, I think, I think the, the first point that you made with, uh, with Conklin uh, and with Jed, I mean, yeah, get used to those dudes. I mean, we've talked yeah. with so much. I, I feel like a lot of the last two years when it comes to the tackle position is, all right, when are we moving on from both these guys? Yeah. And now it is more apparent than ever that unless something happens, you know, again, don't this isn't set in stone. Jack Conklin come out and could have the stinker of stinker of years, and he could have another injury, and they'll find a way to get on from him. They'll find a way. Yeah, they could. Uh, they they. It would be painful, but they could move on next year. But I think it would be like a ten million dollar cap hit, something like that. It'd be pretty pricey. And there's, but there's certain times where the the pain has to happen, right? Like there's certain times where yeah. that has to happen. Uh, but it's apparent that that's that's the plan for the next two years. Don't get yeah. don't get thinking anything else is going to happen. It's really interesting to me, Hudson. Man, the athleticism of Hudson, you love. And frankly, I hope that's something that carries over from years past. I hope Hudson is like, I hope they line him up at like tight end sometimes and let him be just a monster blocker, put him in motion. Uh, he's really good at that. Uh, is he good enough to be in all the time? Does he have the footwork? Does he have the coordination to be a full-time tackle? He hasn't shown that yet. Yep. He's had moments here or there, but he certainly hasn't shown it. You talked about week 18 last year. Let's talk about the last week of the year before that, <laughs> where he got Baker Mayfield sacked about 72 times in one game. Yeah, that was uh, more about Mayfield than Hudson, though. I yeah. mean, Hudson was having a hard time, but that was that it was may have been st- as much about TJ Watt as anybody. To be no, honest. I mean, that, to me, that was the Kevin Stefanski Baker Mayfield blood feud that we just happened to watch play out on national television. <laughs> Best TV show of all time. Yeah, I mean, that, I I will believe that until somebody says on the record that I'm wrong about that, because that, that was about Stefanski telling Baker, you want to play in a spread offense. Great. Get the ball out and avoid the open rusher. And he couldn't do it. (laughs) And blood feud. Yeah. That should be that they should have had, they should, instead of like building the Browns or whatever they call it now, it should have just Mm. been called blood feud. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I Uh, listen, think about the amount of money that you would pay for a behind the scenes on that 21 Browns team. 
the Mayfield stuff, the Odell Beckham stuff, oh, you know, God. where where Landry fighting through injuries to come back and play. I mean, that has to be one of the all time. The stories of that have to be really something. You know, that's because that's also the year that Mayfield had, was out with COVID leading up to the Green Bay Christmas game. Yes. And al- allegedly played nothing but Halo or whatever the entire yes. week and then came back and played in the game and threw what, 700 interceptions? And the, a game they should have won. Like, exactly. Without right. question, should have. They right. outplayed him in every phase except for quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I mean, a documentary series, like a true pull no punches documentary series on that season would be fascinating viewing our 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 man ian in the background that's that's making us look good here this is a good point that new halo was pretty sick that's that's yeah it's absolutely worth ruining your career over (laughs) how many quarterbacks can we get to do this (laughs) all i'll never forget johnny menzel hey you're the starter cool i'll be back from vegas soon yeah philly jams i gotta take care of yeah yeah. (laughs) sure cocaine in the bathroom oh Mm -hmm. right Uh, dewan jones uh man that's real interesting to me uh, yeah, that that's real interesting. Is it a guy? Is it a guy that 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 can get himself in the shape to play? Uh, and and yeah, does he does he have the drive? Right, that's real interesting. Uh, yeah. but we'll we'll find out. We'll find out because I think I think the thing about those both those players, and you said it, Mike, and I just want to amplify it. They both have the talent. You know, on the cleats, like standing on the field, they are both athletic enough, strong yeah. enough, big enough to play at the NFL level. So. There are technique questions. There are drive questions. There are mental consistency questions. All sorts of things, which are all fair, by the way, about young players who were fourth round picks, right? Like, yeah, lot almost the vast majority of fourth round picks do not start in this league. They've got Bill Callahan teaching them how to do it. I, I think if the Browns could get one of those two players to be a long term starter for them, they'd be very happy. All right, so here's the game of uh, 16 minutes left here in the show. Perfect. 16 minutes. Perfect. We did it, Mike. For the most part, we did it. Uh, we spent a really solid eight minutes on the logo, so I'm really proud of that. Really, really proud of that. Uh, I, I want to play a little over-under game with you, Andrew. I want to play Great. a little over-under game. I want to. I, I just want to go around the Browns, mm-hmm. and I want to get your some opinions. Early opinions, obviously. We've got six weeks before <laughs> training camp. The good news about that is once training camp, to me, in my opinion, once training camp hits, the season starts like it's like you blink your eyes and the season is starting. Right. Summer ends. You're back in school or whatever. (laughs) You're going back to school? (laughs) No, I'm just I'm talking about, you know, Billy Madison, everybody. When you're a kid. You know what I mean? Like Uh, when you're a kid and it turns August 1st, you basically might as well just give up on summer. That's all I'm saying. Surge, bringing back a classic <laughs> over under on my hotel thermostat seven degrees way yeah. under way yeah. under way yeah. under i bet mike likes it frosty 88 degrees that episode i want to go back and watch that to see how sweaty i was uh all right so let's I just i, I want to go through some over unders and 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 maybe this will get us feeling optimistic or maybe not uh about the browns but it's, i think it's fun to just kind of speculate right yeah I love so it. let's let's start at the quarterback position okay so over under I want to know your thoughts on uh, two things over under for Deshaun Watson, 3,800 passing yards. Over. You think over, you think he'll go over. You think he's going to be a 4,000 yard guy. I do. And I think, because I think with that, he's the starter all season. They, there's no incentive for them to not play him every game. Um, so even if he struggles, you know, and they're behind, he's still going to rack up yards in, in comeback, you know, attempts. Right. So 
I don't know that that's like a full guarantee that he's playing well. I right. just think I just think they're in a position this year where they're going to find out what they have in him, and I think it gets him to four thousand yards. And listen, yeah, uh, analytically, this just uh, that that does not mean he's having a great year. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That he could have four thousand yards, but they're just throwing the ball so much that he's yep. you just can't help it. But it's still an indicator of maybe it's, maybe it's the guy uh, guy's arm working again because there were questions last year. How about this over under? For Deshaun Watson, 30 total touchdowns. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, that's that speaks a lot more to you know what the offense is doing, what the All offense right. is producing overall. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. You set that line really well. Uh I just did that in my head too, so thank you for saying that. Wow, okay. Um I'm gonna, you know, th- I mean, this is really like rubber meets the road territory. I'm I'm gonna say over. Um my my current thinking, big picture on the Browns and the the offensive question is: I think it's going to be uneven, but I think the quarterback is talented enough and the coach is smart enough to get them to the point of having a, a top ten offense by the end of the year. Okay, how about this one? Because again, we've we've talked about where we think the evolution is going with the Cleveland Browns. How about Nick Chubb over under eleven hundred rushing yards? I'll take the under on that for sure. You're going to go under? Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's talk about the wide receivers for a minute. Let's talk about from the wide receivers. I guess you could throw tight ends too. One and a half thousand yard receivers. What what does that mean? Over under. Do they have, do they have? Oh, I see. Okay. Gotcha. I get it now. Um, (laughs) Under going to say under do you think do you say under because you think it's they're going to spread the ball around to a lot of the guys and yeah. they'll just keep some of them under yeah yeah i don't know i uh, you know cooper i think is the easy choice uh for a thousand yards i think if cooper doesn't hit a thousand yards something weird has happened because he's just so good yeah he I mean, misses really time though so good. what's that he misses time he can miss some time but i think just you know when you do the math on what it takes to be in a thousand yard receiver, yeah absolutely yeah uh, Amari Cooper can kind of walk into that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to throw my head in the mix and say, I think I know the addition of Elijah Moore. I'm hoping for the evolution of David Njoku, the real evolution of this guy. I'm hoping for that this year. Um, I'm going to say something weird though. I think assuming the offense stays the way it is, meaning the people that are there are going to be the ones there. Um, so we're taking Deandre Hopkins out of the mix. Um, uh, I, I think I, I, I want to say I think DPJ would hit a thousand yards this year. Was that me or you? That's me. What was that? Did you have a monster truck outside your place? Yeah. So the place that I live, I mean, I, 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 this is actually great content. Uh, The place that I live is on a straightaway uphill. Oh, okay. That goes into like a very gentle long curve. And so all of all of the assholes around here with sport bikes or raised trucks use it to get to get you know really get up ahead of steam coming up the hill because they can coast through that curve. It's okay, just, you know it's it's like a shallow enough curve that you can hit it at like seventy and hold on. So um, yeah, I thought I thought you had Gravedigger out there just well, like oh, it probably was once once lot. like once an hour somebody will come through here like it's you know 
whatever race week. And it's, you know, it, it's like clockwork, man. It's fucking infuriating. Super Surge just put the best comment ever in our chat. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Okay, all right, I got to stop. Uh, anyways, back to my point. Uh, I, and I like this. Uh, Bruns here, our new buddy, Bradley Bruns. Shout out to yeah. you for being so happy. Yeah, uh, hanging out. I don't know if Moore will have a thousand yards, but he has potential to have the most receptions. I agree with that. I do agree. Yeah, with I like that. That. But at the same time, the reason I go to DPJ is I don't think he's a threat to have the most receptions, but I think DPJ's got plenty of games in him that are going to be like three catches for 78 yards. He's that kind of receiver. And then he'll have one or two games where I bet you he has seven, eight, whatever receptions for a decent amount of yards. I think this is the year. And it's been a gradual uptick for him every year in his statistics. I think this is the year. I think Cooper goes over 1,000. I think DPJ goes over 1,000. And that's even if Elijah Moore has a good year. Uh, I think that's the kind of year this could be for the passing offense. So I I, I went over on that. Uh, and I All think right. it's really interesting. To think I do not remember anybody asking you. This is my game. <laughs> this is my game, Andrew. And I will give my input. Should yeah. I want to? I'm just saying last year, you know, last year when I, when I hosted the show, I didn't ever play the game. I just let the guests, you know, whatever. That's fine. Raise your hand if you remember him hosting the show. Last year. <laughs> 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 All right. Over, no, under. No one does. It was bad. Over, under. Okay. Keep it going. 17 and a half miles Garrett Sachs. Oh, over for sure. You think, oh, all right. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Let, let me, let me say that. Let me say it this way. If Garrett, I mean, I, and I, you know, weird shit happens to Miles Garrett. So caveat, caveat, caveat. But uh, this is his year, man. With, with the, the depth around him, the, the finally strengthening, strengthening the interior, plus the change in defensive philosophy where he is going to be rested more and turned loose more often. Uh, if if he look, he has the raw talent to set the single season sack record. If For he's sure. going to do it, it's going to be this year. Okay, so this isn't an over under because I don't know where to set it at. If I'm being 100 percent honest with you, and and again, I'm just pulling all of this right off the top of my head. Um, Great, but where would you set the number if you were to take? So let's say we got Miles Garrett over there with 20 sacks. Yep, and let's say this defensive line is finally doing what we want it to do. Yeah. Where do you set the line if you had to combine sack numbers for Okoronkwo and Zedaria Smith? What would you set that number at? Okay, well, I just Googled this quickly. Um, the Eagles last year had 70 sacks as a team. Yes. So if Gar- if we're giving Garrett 20, you got to divvy up 50 amongst everybody else. That'd be awesome if the Browns had 70 sacks as a team. No, I, I but I'm just saying, like, you, you're painting a scenario where I mean, this defensive, this Browns defensive line has more talent than the Eagles defensive line last year. I believe that. Yeah. Like the defensive tackles are definitely better in Philly, but the edge players are better here. So, um, and, and I think Jim Schwartz is a better coordinator than Jonathan Gannon. So like, if we're talking about like best case scenario, what does this look like? I think the Browns could have three players with double digit sex. Woo. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. I've got two more, uh, off the top of my head here, at least, uh, this may, I don't know. I'm just interested to hear your thoughts. Great. 0. 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5 over under interceptions for Greg Newsom. <laughs> Poor Greg. Uh, I, that's not meant as a slight. I, no, I know. It isn't I know. meant as a slight. He just has not been able 
to break yeah. the interception thing. Oh, in over years. for sure. Over for sure. So you think he gets the interception finally? The it's elusive not hard for a good cornerback to get an interception. He'll definitely get an interception this year. It's it's been two years. Well, he had a really bad year last year. All right. Listen, I I want to say over too, but I I, I wonder. I, I again, we can go back to coaching, like we talked yeah. about with Jordan Elliott, and we can go back to the disaster that was the secondary. Right. Lots of good players that never knew where the hell to be. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that can be laid on coaching. But I also think like there's got to be there. Is there something there? Is there is there a thing there with this guy that he can be good in coverage? He can break up passes. But man, he doesn't put himself in a lot of positions to pick off passes. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I I do think ball skills as a defensive back are, are absolutely a skill. And he is definitely at the lower end of that. But I just think law of averages, he's going to get one. All right. All right. If you yeah, made it like I, three, I'd say under for sure. Yeah. And listen, I, I but he's got the ability to do that. He's got yeah, the ability to have three, four, five interceptions in here. Sure. He has yeah. the ability to do that. Uh, but I just, you know, there's like I don't know what it is. It's 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 some players have just like what it feels like a hex, right? Like mm-hmm. uh and, and it feels like he's it feels like once he finally gets that first one, you could see him break out into a bunch of them. Yeah. But man, it's it's take it's he's got to get that first one. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so the last one I had, uh, we're going to go over to special teams, and I'm going to say over under four and a half missed field goals by Cade York. <laughs> it's been a good show for sound effects. Um, I, yeah, I, I would go. I would go over just because I, I think he he. Uh, duffed one last week in minicamp um, where he kicked the ground before he kicked the ball or something like that. It's my golf shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think he's got a little bit of that in him. I, like, I think he's going to be a good kicker in the league, but I think he's still young enough that he's got a little bit of whatever that is where, you know, the yips. most of the time he hits it. Yeah, I, I don't want to go that far. I don't think it's like a Chuck Knobloch situation. Ooh, but great um, pull. I mean, that's oh my God. one, one of my treasured memories from, from my youth. Yeah. Oh, uh, go to the Yankees and get the yips. That's like, <laughs> no, it's great. Mean, yeah. Ideal. Absolutely. Just one of the most beautiful examples of instant karma that we've ever seen in the sports world. <laughs> right. uh, so I don't think it's that bad, but I think he's just got a little inconsistency to his game. I think Ventrone's going to help. Well, okay. So stop right there for a second, because uh, yes, we're all very excited to have Bubba Ventron. We're all that. Yeah. That was the, I, like, I feel like around the NFL, that was like the most, like, that's a great coaching hire, hire that happened. Yeah, this people whole love that, dude. Yeah. How much, how much truthfully can he, a guy who was never a kicker in the first place, how much can he help a kicker? Like, what can he do to help the kicker? Well, put it this way. I think Mike Prefer, I mean, I, I would believe any level of conspiracy theory about how bad of a coach Mike Prefer was. <laughs> so it's it's an improvement. It's 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 addition by subtraction, basically. But I, I do think Ventron is good as a coach. And I think one of the things that good coaches can do is give you the self-belief that you need um, to, to be to have confidence that you can do the thing that you're trying to do. Uh, the other thing I would just say about over four and a half misses, I think they're going to try some long field goals, you know, because he's got the leg for him. So I think just even like if you, I think he might have four and a half misses, uh, over four and a half misses from beyond 50, just because they're going to try him. All right. That was my over under game. And I appreciate Great. you for playing along with me. 
Oh, it's my pleasure, Mike. Uh, anytime, uh, you know, any place. You just give me a call. <laughs> All right. Two minutes left in the show. <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> uh, no, let's get out of here. This has been fun. Uh, it's a little bit of a light week here on the yeah. OBR streaming network. We just got shows today and tomorrow, obviously. Uh, tomorrow, uh, it's a doubleheader, at least. So it'll be a fun night all around on the OBR streaming network uh, with all eyes on Cleveland and Brad Ward and then us goofballs on Garage Beers. Uh, we're still working on uh, the schedule for that, but we'll announce that tomorrow. Uh, then it's an off week for the rest of the week on the OBR streaming network, unless for some reason something major happens, then you know you can always run to us and we will have you covered with all the most thorough best Browns coverage that you are going to find. In the meantime, get over to the OBR uh, website and please make sure you subscribe, read all of the articles, all the work that guys like Andrew and Jack and Jake and, and Cody and, and all the guys, all the Brad's uh and barry and fred read what they're putting in because they're putting a ton of work in over at the website uh as we get through this off season it is is it guard week then it's guard week right is it guard uh week? well we're doing offensive line interior offensive interior line. So guards offensive and centers line. yeah all right yeah. so interior offensive line you'll read a lot about that and uh what should be a strength for the cleveland browns we'll see how we feel about that throughout uh this week but uh again just stay with us here on the obr we love you guys uh for joining us all of you guys that were in the comments are the MVP of the show. You guys were absolutely uh, fantastic. And thank you guys so much for uh, jumping in and joining us and giving us great questions and great feedback and great comments. We appreciate you as always. Uh, Ian McBride in the background, huge thanks to him uh, for getting us on the air and getting us pictures and all kinds of fun stuff, making us look good. Shout out to you, Ian. Uh, and that's going to do it for us. For Andrew Spade, I am Michael Keith. This has been OBR Unscripted. We'll see you at the same time next week. Cheers, everybody. Go Browns.